Ross, it's Rich Eisen. Yeah, it's Carl Mecklenburg. What's up? This is Ty Lawson. This is Jordan Hamilton from the Denver Nuggets, and you're listening to Colorado Sports Guys Podcast. From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Nate Timmons and Ross Martin. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, wherever, whenever you're listening to this podcast. We appreciate you for doing that. Uh, this is the Colorado Sports Guys podcast, and we are not from CSU Studios high above the streets of Denver, Colorado. We are in the streets of Denver, Colorado from Jake's Fine Food and Spirits. Great place up here in Rhino, which means River North, which uh, is a great, great place to get a burger or whatever. And uh, per use, I'm joined by Mr. Ankle Socks himself, Nate Timmons. What's up, Ross? Glad to be here. Everybody out there on the interwebs, hope you're not tangled up in something too messy right now. Oh, it's not too bad. And also joining us here, uh, Andrew Feinstein. Everybody knows him as the Big Stiff himself from DenverStiffs.com and the proprietor here at Jake's Fine Food and Spirits, Andy Feinstein. Thanks for joining us. How are you, buddy? Guys, we appreciate coming in here for uh, the for the podcast. We're excited. Yes, yes. We and got a hundred screen, a hundred inch screen behind Andrew with an NBA game on right now. Yes, yes. Uh, the uh, who, who's Philadelphia? The Seventy Sixers? Are they still there? <laughs> they, they moved to Sacramento, Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah they've yet to relocate. <laughs> also joining us today from uh, the Hoop Dream, uh, Brian Smith. Okay, now uh, Brian, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. And uh, the Hoop Dream is a very cool charity that is out there. It's based here in Colorado, and it's going out, and it's going to Africa, and it's building uh, basketball hoops for all the kids out there that want to learn how to play hoops in Africa. This is a cool charity. We're going to hear about this but uh, a little bit later. But thank you. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we want to just say, everybody, go to uh, thehoopdream.org for more information. But we're going to... Again, talk about that a little bit now. I love doing the, uh, the kind of the quote unquote live recordings because part of me is I pull into the parking lot of some of these bars and, and actually I, I, this is the only place I've ever done it. So, you know, here at Jake's, I know we did a different bar a couple of weeks ago with the South Stands guys, but I love walking into a restaurant with some mic stands and a bag full of gear because just for one minute, I feel like I'm with the band. Yeah. And then, and then I want, and then I just am like fearing that time where they're like, are you with the band? And I'm like, uh, actually guys, I'm with the, I'm with the podcast. <laughs> We're here to record a podcast. <laughs> so. Those from band, those from being like really cool and kind of dorky. Yeah, it's but like, it's like, ah. it's cool. I'll do heroin. You know, I'll do a heroin pod, I'll be a heroin podcast guy, you know. I can still be cool, but uh, at any rate, uh, we're we're really happy to be here. And uh, uh, th- this is the situation here that we're faced with here in Denver, Colorado. Is is uh, the, the the Broncos? Of course, it's old news. They're done, right? Now, now, starting tonight, the Avalanche start, and I only bring that up so I can bring up the point that we're not going to talk about hockey. Well, they start at Pepsi Center. Yeah, they lost already on the road. Did they, they already did today? Okay, yeah. so that's good to know. Now, uh, so what we're going to do here is we're going to do a Nuggets and an NBA extravaganza podcast here. It's not going to be quite like, you know, when we had Benjamin Hockman here and all those guys uh, a few months ago. But it's going to be great because uh, Andy and Nate here are here. And then, of course, uh, Brian knows everything about basketball. I mean, for goodness sakes, he's going to Africa to put up hoops. This is... Uh, this guy knows about hoops. And, and you know what I realized here? Uh, per huge, Jeff Morton was supposed to be here tonight, Colorado native. J- you know, could you imagine four other Colorado natives sitting around the table again? 
this is incredible, guys. I, I'm loving this. So we're going to get into this. Tim, it's not. We're going to talk about the Nuggets, of course. Yes. Weekend, big loss, horrible, devastating loss, followed by a big, awesome victory, possibly the best game they played all season. They almost wash each other out, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cancel each other out. I don't know. We'll get into that and talk about that. But then uh, there's some trade rumors or something you want to talk about here? What, what is this? Trade deadline, February 21st, approaching quickly. <laughs> there's already been already been one trade to start off the season, and there's, there's rumors all over the place. So, oh. yeah, we gotta, we got to talk about how that relates to the Nuggets for sure. All right, so we're going to get into that. But as we always do on this Colorado Sports Guys podcast, we want to remind everybody to check out coloradosportsguys.com for links to our Facebook, Twitter, and our Amazon.com affiliate link. If you go to ColoradoSportsGuys.com and click through the Amazon banner at the top of the page each time you do your normal shopping, you will be supporting this podcast. And, uh, again, it's a simple uh, little detour before you go do your normal shopping on Amazon. It doesn't take very long, but it helps us out a lot. Big month in November, and we want to thank everybody for that. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us, show at ColoradoSportsGuys.com. Or use our phone number, 720-722-1274. Leave us a voicemail or send us a text message. Timmons, how are you, buddy? I'm doing quite well. I'm out, man. You got me out on a Tuesday night. This is crazy. I did, yeah. You usually don't like to leave the friendly confines of the CSG <laughs> studio. I tell you, man. I'm a, I'm a homebody. <laughs> you're out, you're out and about. It's got to feel good. Stretch your old legs. I'm at a bar on a Tuesday. This is great. I just had a buffalo wrap or something. I'm feeling sustained and ready to go. And I'm drinking some nice uh, micro brews. Um, what, what's going on with you, man? You know, you got a story this week. You know, I, what, you've been watching the catfish marathon all weekend. Um, no, I steered away from that. I've actually been watching the HBO series Luck about horse racing, which I found out today is done after just one season because during season two, more horses got hurt. Supposedly they've had to put down three horses. Oh, so it's not show. one of those things where no animals were harmed during the filming of this. This is lots of animals are harmed. Oh gosh! Apparently, but God bless them. Poor it's animals. See, it's good to see Nick Nolte. You know, uh, Dustin Hoffman was in that. He's trying to play a tough guy, which is uh, the opposite of what he was. And what was that terrible movie he's in? Meet the Meet the Parents. Wait, wait, wait. Nick Nolte. Dustin Hoffman. Oh, Dustin the Hoffman. Trilogy. Meet yeah. the Fockers. Yeah, meet the Fockers. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's hard to like see him there where he's you know. Trying to not to eat too many chimichangas so he doesn't mess himself. <laughs> Going to like trying to be this tough guy on this the show. Do you guys ever see him in Marathon Man? You guys ever watch that movie? I never, I never saw Marathon Man. I, I used to hear old ladies talk about how they had such a big crush on Dustin Hoffman, and I was like, "What are you crazy?" But then I saw Marathon Man, and I was like, "Oh, I could kind of see this." It's pretty fetching. That one, <laughs> pretty huh? nice, nice looking dude. Um, but uh, enough about my crush on Dustin Hoffman. Before we get into the Nuggets, can can we talk just briefly about what happened over the weekend with the football? You guys, you guys down for this a little bit? I watched both games. I, I didn't watch any of it. I was I was following it. I was I was following this. I, I, it was too devastating for me to watch this game. And uh, and and of course the the Ravens ended up beating down the Patriots. Was anybody else here just like, oh, we could have beat them too? Was yeah. anybody else like that? The Broncos, we could have beat, we could have beat the Patriots. If, if the Ravens destroyed the Patriots like they did, anybody? Is anybody with me? Yeah, especially at home, right? I was going to say, I mean, especially if you're at home, if you're at Invesco, you definitely should be able to beat a Patriots team that got beat down by the Ravens, right? I, I think as a Broncos fan, you were happy maybe on, well, if there's any solace in this at all. I mean, this, here at Jake's, we were absolutely packed for that. 
Broncos game, and I've never seen a mass exodus like that in my life, you know, at the end of that game. But as a Broncos fan, I think you can take a little bit of solace in the Ravens' victory in two ways. One, uh, you know that you lost to a team that's going to the Super Bowl, so it wasn't some fluke. I think the Ravens are for Second real. Let's, you're let's, in the row. let's give them credit where credit is due. And number two, uh, they prevented, by the Ravens beating the Patriots, they prevented Tom Brady from tying John Elway's record for most Super Bowls competed in. That's- so. Good point. Yeah, I like that. Maybe there's a little bit of a silver lining, but I don't think, uh, I think, look, if the Broncos and the Ravens played ten times, the Broncos would, would win, it, win eight of them. And if the Broncos and the Patriots played ten times, the Broncos would probably win six of them. But unfortunately in football, or fortunately, that's what makes it exciting, you play one game and but they caught is, us on an exceptionally bad day. But this is vindication. Right? For Peyton Manning and Bronco fans, hey, we I, lost I, to I the think, winner. We lost I, to the I love, winner. I love Peyton Manning, and I know we're going to talk a lot about basketball and not football. I love Peyton Manning. I, I think he's turned four Super Bowls into one. And I think a lot of that's coaching. I, I think what's happened with Peyton's career is they are so phenomenally successful in the regular season. It's almost like what we've seen with the Spurs recently, even though he's, Duncan's got his four rings. They're so phenomenally successful in the regular season that those last three or four weeks don't mean anything. They get their bye week. They get rusty. And they go up against a team that's had to gut its way through. And I think this has bit Peyton in the ass now four times. And it's, and it's unfortunate now that it happened on our watch here in Denver. So now moving in here, we got, a, we got a couple weeks before the Super Bowl. And we'll end our NFL talk on this. Does anybody think that the, that the Ravens are going to win? Because I personally think that the Niners are looking so explosive, so dynamic. And they got Parrish Cox on their team. So... You know, maybe they'll just lull the Ravens to sleep, if you guys know what I mean. Maybe just, uh, you know, kind of put them to bed early. I, I don't know. Well, I, was, I was talking to Brian before <laughs> Brian's <we started>. laughing. Uh, <laughs> he got my joke as bad as it was, as distasteful as it was. <laughs> I mean, I, we were talking about it before we started recording where you'd easily think that the Niners are going to blow them out. But because the Ravens have fought through these past two games, you know, they looked even better against the Patriots than they did against the Broncos. You can't discount that team, obviously, right? I don't think so. And I saw the line at four, four and a half, uh, you know, obviously in favor of the Niners. And I think, you know, that's your classic sucker bet. You know, if that, if you saw Niners minus four and a half in the regular season, I think, um, a lot of people would be putting a lot of money on the Ravens. The Ravens have more experience, obviously, um, at all positions for that matter. And, uh, well, and are they just going to be able to play 500 like they've done the last few games? <laughs> just literally throw it up, play 500. Actually, against the Niner or against the Ra- or the Patriots, excuse me, the, the the Ravens it looked like just from what I heard about that they played a more complete game than than just kind of like these luck bombs. But I, again, I couldn't watch it. I couldn't watch it. And and let me ask. Let's mention this. I've been reading some articles about the. Uh, about the, the, the Broncos Ravens games and I kept seeing that it went into double double overtime. And every time I read that I said, You idiots. It didn't go into double overtime. I was at the game and I did not realize that it went into double overtime. Is this true? Like it went into double overtime? No. Am I crazy? It's true. It's true. It did go into double overtime. And when it did, I was unaware of the fact that the team with the ball still kept the ball that there wasn't a second coin toss obviously with the new playoff rules i didn't realize uh that this was even an option that so you know we have go into double over. overtime because i've read it twice now at different places basically the second overtime was three ray rice runs get him in the middle of the field let that guy practice six or seven times illegally and then <laughs> um run him out there and let him 
power it through. Okay, well, I just that's right because yeah, they didn't. They don't do another coin toss. It's just like the end of a quarter where they. Just By the way, I, I was with you. I didn't want to watch it. I didn't watch it. I was actually at the Nuggets game. I was watching the Nuggets piss away another fourth quarter lead, and this time they actually hung on to win because uh, Russell Westbrook, uh, you know, offended Nugget karma dramatically. And I heard we will talk about this, right? The Rocky thing with tacos or burritos or something. Queso. 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 All right. Well, let's do this. All right. Enough uh, NFL talk. Come on. We got three NBA experts and passionate NBA and Nuggets fans here in the room. Let's take a break and come right back and get into that. Now, growing up in Denver, I remember always this big thing that always happened between Rocky and Charles Barkley. Barkley. Right? Was that the one? And maybe there was like a little bit of Carl Malone. Was that, did that ever happen too? I'm trying to remember. I mean, I remember Barkley big time, you know, but, but, but I haven't heard about that in the past, I don't know, 10 years, right? I haven't heard about any sort of little side shows between our hometown mascot, Rocky, and Another player on a team, but over was this on Sunday night? Because this this Sunday actually night. this actually made the front page, I think, of the Denver Post. Something along those lines. What oh, was that, like name? the actual paper version? I haven't seen one of well, those. Well, no, no, no. I, I, when I say that, I mean DenverPost.com. Okay. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Here. Well, Rocky's been messing <laughs> be with Rocky's been messing with opposing uh, coaches and players and referees for years, and I think it's actually fun when the players engage with him. When when Russell Westbrook. For those listening who aren't familiar with what we're talking Tell about. Tell me what happened, please. So every Nuggets home game in the fourth quarter. Nate, what would you say? It's midway through the fourth quarter, typically? Yeah, midway, long TV timeout, whatever. So Rocky does this behind-the-back, overhead, half-court shot, where he holds the ball with two hands and tosses it behind his head. And if the ball goes in the basket, if you have a Nuggets ticket and you go to Qdoba Grill the next day, you get free queso and chips. I think that's what the deal is, right, Nate? I think so, but I don't think anybody's ever cared about the food until right now. Right. So, yeah. I, and frankly, yeah, I didn't even know they did the giveaway. I yeah. just we always root for Rocky to score. It gets the it gets the crowd pumped up. So this time, Russell Westbrook, after Rocky uh, missed a few shots, he missed about like four or five attempts in a row on like his sixth attempt, which actually looked like it was going in. Russell Westbrook jumps up, grabs the ball before it can go in the basket. So he went over the top of the rim. He didn't come underneath through the no, center no, no, and put no. his he, hand up. Right in front of the rim. It looked like it was a good shot. He but grabbed. it was clearly goaltending. It was definitely and, goaltending. And no call yeah, by the, the ball refs, was on right? the way down. The refs, yeah. the refs called nothing on this, right? The, the, the ball was on the way down. This is like a wrestle, yeah. professional wrestling move where they're distracting the refs over there, and then this this uh, sinister, this sinister, vile human being come in and just steal chips and queso away from every uh, you know God fearing Nuggets fan in this city. Basically, yes, and <laughs> this is... and then it was. I don't think the fans cared about the food like nature said. But what they cared about was the look on poor Rocky's face. He was just. <laughs> but doesn't his poor... face always look the same? Well, he actually he they get a, posture. They get a lot out of that costume, and poor Rocky's just like so disappointed because Russell Westbrook grabs the ball, and the the cascade of boos was something I haven't heard since Kobe Bryant did whatever he did in Vail and came back to play in you know, He raped Pepsi someone. Center. Well, yeah. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that play really served to, you know, liven the crowd up. I mean, the so crowd the crowd's was... viciously booing him, yeah. and uh, and then he does it again. Rocky tried to do it, uh, his half-court shot again with the last time out, and Russell Westbrook did it again. And then <clears throat> from my seats, I was about five rows up, 
from midcourt. Some fans are talking trash to Russell Westbrook, and I saw him live say, fuck you, do something, to the $500, to the $500 seat fans. And so the crowd was just all over him, and then give Russell Westbrook credit. He cans the game-tying three that sends the game into overtime. He did. And then he also got the ball stripped in overtime, which actually lost them a chance to tie the game again or to win it, right? And then the Nuggets end up winning. They did. It was kind of a sloppy game, I thought. Did you think... It didn't feel like there was a lot of flow to that game. I didn't think. I only there's been a lot of flow to a lot of games lately. I I I don't understand who this Nuggets team is. I feel like we got a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde situation on our hand. I don't know who's going to show up on any given night. Like you said earlier, Ross, they lose to the Wizards on a Friday and they turn around. They all forgotten. They bet they beat the best. Andy, all's forgotten. Come on, man. We don't remember Friday, but it's a good point. I will remember. I'll tell you what. I'm going to remember Friday, and I'm going to remember the loss to the Timberwolves. A couple weeks Brutal. ago, when they were on a back-to-back with no Kevin Love, when the Nuggets miss out on a home court advantage in the playoffs by one or two games. That's what I'm going to remember Friday. Hasn't there been problems with this team, though? I mean, over the years, under George Carl, of having these, you know, Dr. Jackal and Mr. Hyde teams, as you alluded to, teams that lose, you know, they come out and they're not motivated to beat these. The only time we really saw the Nuggets take down all the teams they should have was the Western Conference Finals run, where it seemed like they were routinely beating the scrubs of the NBA with Chauncey Billups around. I think, you know, we follow this team so closely, so we feel like this only happens to us. Why do I think if I followed any team closely, I would say the same thing? I mean, the Miami Heat lost to the Wizards. The Thunder lost to the Wizards. Uh, I think every team just has its off nights. We seem to have a few more than most, and maybe that's why we don't get home court advantage so when the playoffs roll But around. if you think about it, just by what you said, I mean, the Nuggets are basically in the same realm of the Miami Heat and the Oklahoma City <laughs> Thunder. When they're at the think best. about this positively, right? Like they're basically they all lost to the Wizards. Yeah, you're in the same same <laughs> class for sure. Well, and you got to hope that come playoff time they get up for every game, obviously, and they don't have these letdown games because they are playing the best in the league each and every night, and they're bringing their A game. Um, but right now, it's really difficult to watch sometimes, and I do. I feel like it's uh, you know been going on for many, many seasons. You know, you go back to last season. I think we lost to probably the Hornets last year, and you know stuff like that is just not acceptable when you're a team that you know claims that they're competing for a championship in the playoffs. So many years in a row, it's like we just kind of like that. We're, we're comfortable with it. It's a warm blanket, but. As I've heard many people discuss, getting to the playoffs isn't that big of an accomplishment. Half the teams make it. <laughs> At least, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. I think to, to Brian's point, the Nuggets have not done a great job of respecting the regular season. And it's bit them in the ass in the playoffs. And I, and I do fear, and I don't mean, I don't want this to be a negative rant on what's wrong with the Nuggets. I mean, there's a lot of things going right with the Nuggets, but unfortunately, I, like I just said earlier, this Friday night loss, and I'm going to name four or five if I have to, is the difference between the four seed and the five seed. It's the difference between getting to the second round and, and going home really early in the spring. Well said. So now it's we're way past the midpoint of January. I remember beginning of this month, everybody's saying, all the Nuggets, pundits, Nuggets fans, January is going to determine what this team is and what they're going to be throughout the rest of the season. Where yeah. do we stand on this? Nate Timmons, where do we stand? You know, they've been playing pretty well. They're 25 and 18 now. They've climbed up to the sixth seed. They have the four seed within, within reach with Memphis. Memphis just unloaded a bunch of bench players that frankly probably weren't playing heavy minutes for them anyway. So everybody's kind of looking at, you know, Memphis to be that team that they got to catch. 
probably going to be pretty hard to catch San Antonio, but can they get the four seed? I think this month has kind of shown that, yeah, they can make a run at that four seed, and you know things could be better than people thought they were before January started. You know? <laughs> things could be. But I, could but be. I don't want to – like we talked about before on here, I don't want to proclaim that the Nuggets are a great team because they won a bunch of home games. We expect them to win home games. We expect them to go – you know, they're 16-3 and three right now. We were hoping that they'd be – you know, 18 and one at this point. They dropped two games on this homestand that they should have won. So they, you know, they've lowered. And, but they won one. They shouldn't have. At least one they shouldn't have. So. Yeah, maybe. Hey. I mean, when you get OKC here, though, you should beat Oklahoma City. Uh, I, you know, we always say in the NBA, if you win 75 percent of your home games, half your road games, that's a 50 win season. Uh, unfortunately, in the West right now, 50 wins isn't going to cut it. 50 wins is going to put you around six. And if they're going to compete for four, they got to get into the 54, 55 win territory. And that's, uh, you know, if they keep dropping games like Washington, you know, they're not going to get there. But that Oklahoma City team, you know, that game definitely makes up for it somewhat. Now, and, and we're going to get into, we're going to take a break in a minute. We're going to get into trade rumors and stuff like that. And all the scenarios, all this, uh, all the stuff that all the NBA fans like to talk about the most, right? Especially Nuggets fans because they want to trade George Carl for, for somebody else or something. But I don't think that's how it works, right? Like you can't trade your coach. But, but anyway. Not not very often. Let me, let me ask you this. Because again, you know, I'm a self-admitted Nuggets, you know, I I don't know what's going on. I don't have cable. I don't, I don't, I don't watch the games. I have made a promise that I'm going to the rest of the season. You know, I was in a dormant phase after the Broncos lost for watching all sports. But now I'm going to come back. I'm going to come down to Jake's every night and watch Nuggets. But who's who's uh, who's impressing you, and who who are you uh, about ready to ship out of here and, uh, on the Nuggets team? And, and we'll get into you know specific trade rumors after the break. But now, who do you like? Who's uh, living up to expectations? Uh, who who wants to chip chime in on this? Guys, anybody, Brian? I- Go ahead, Brian. You got it. I mean, uh, I like a lot of guys. I like a lot of pieces on our team. But, um, you know, if I had to name a couple, I would say, you know, Corey's playing kind of out of his mind right now, with that being Corey Brewer. Um, Wilson's come back, and he finally looks healthy, which I'm happy to see. Um, even Gallo looks like he has kind of taken his game to another level and has realized, you know, I can maybe be the leader of this team and, uh, you know, might be uh, – keen to take that role and i hope he does because we need a leader um as far as people you know i'm not so uh pumped about their play you know obviously you got to go to javel and ty ty especially because he's supposed to be the one to get up and go get up and get that team running and uh you know sometimes he just looks out of uh out of touch with what's going on in the game you need a basket and he's just so passive gets to the lane doesn't look for a shot at all and uh you know passes out to a perimeter guy that you know um, I like that little, isn't in uh, a position to score even. I like that little pun. He's a little too passive. Yeah, right? Is that, is that what he's a passive guy. He's I'm not, glad you caught that. A, I didn't intend a, it. But he's not a shootist. Not. <laughs> <laughs> he's not shooter. Yeah. No, I hear Yeah, okay. Ty Lawson coming up. And you got to look at the biggest acquisition in the offseason, which was Andre Iguodala. And you know, a lot of people want to point to his game and say that they've been disappointed with him. But if you look what he's done for this team defensively, I think that he's been a, a great player for the Nuggets this season. I think he's done a, a fine job of making the defense, you know, a lot better than it, than it was even just his one-on-one play. Being able to throw him on a James Harden on a Russell Westbrook has been has been pretty good. But offensively, yeah, we're not seeing a whole lot out of Iguodala. Um, and there's various reasons for that. I mean, he's not he's not a very good shooter. He's best when he's actually going to the rim. But and they ask him here to be a, a shooter and. 
you know, he struggled a little bit, but he also gets you, you know, he's getting you four and a half assists a game, which you can't really discount. Absolutely. You're absolutely correct. I, I think, you know, Igudala is an awesome number two. And I think if he's your number two guy, you know, he could be a number two guy on a championship team. I do think he's that good as a number two. Yeah. The problem is the Nuggets don't have that true number one. I think to Brian's point, Gallo has been having a very good season, and he's gotten a lot better. I think if you were to look at like his straight statistics right now, they're a little misleading because he got off to such a bad start for the first month. But I think Gallo's made every big shot that needs to be made. Uh, but, again, I do agree with Brian. I think Ty Lawson's been a colossal disappointment, and uh, I question if he's a starter in this league, and we should be talking about him, I think, when we get to trade rumors after the break. As it goes, right, uh, we have some guys we want to get rid of, but are they worth anything? So let's uh, let's take a quick break and come back and get into that. So, uh, Brian here, I, w- I want you to, uh, before we get into these, some of these trade rumors, let's talk a little bit about the hoop dream, because uh, I-, I was talking with you a little bit over here at the booth while I was eating my buffalo chicken wrap, which was delicious, mm. <laughs> and uh, you had the, the Chipotle burger uh, up on Lovely. my recommendation, because the last time I was here I had that thing, it lit my mouth on fire with the jalapenos, it was great. But you were telling me about the Hoop Dream, right? This is uh, thehoopdream.org, right? This is Brian Smith, founder and president of this organization based right here in Colorado. Now, tell me a little bit about when you you, you went to Africa, right, and uh, you, you decided that you wanted to start start doing something. You wanted to start making a difference in the in the lives of people over there. Tell me a little bit about what the mission is of the Hoop Dream. Well, basically, the mission is just to provide the sustainable courts for, uh, you know, people to begin to play in East Africa specifically. Um, it kind of started off of I worked for a nonprofit in South Africa, and I, you know, it wasn't uh, something that uh, put me to the best the use, best use, the of, best use of my ability and my time, you know. So um, I, you know, took a look around and said, you know, what can I actually do that's going to be important you know and i said all right well you know i can actually start building courts for people that have never you know even known the game and uh you know over the course of many generations with sustainable courts you know we hope that uh and you're a basketball guy right i mean you grew up playing hoops in denver area uh and so there's something about the game of basketball that you appreciated growing up with well absolutely and and, and they didn't have it in africa right this is not a basketball continent no no certainly not it's a it's a soccer or football continent uh you know um traditionally and so it's difficult to get people to play basketball in fact you know um there's a game called netball that is played by women that's pretty close to basketball but is only played by yeah the girls and so it's difficult sometimes to get basketball to catch on but uh yeah basketball i mean is you know basically what shaped my life and i just wasn't ready to you know let it go and become a casual observer and so um so i love the story about when you uh came back from africa and you decided to go around to the neighborhood and get rims, just get rims from people, right? Or like get donations to buy rims. And, no, and it was uh, it was just rims, pretty much. Like uh, like you said, from uh, people in the neighborhood that had kids move out, and the you know this sixty year old uh, dad's not going to go out and start putting up jumpers. So uh, <laughs> oh, I, you're I, taking I, rims down. Yeah, from yeah, the... yeah. I'd I'd I'd, I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd put a flyer on their house, have them, you know, <laughs> hope that they called me, and you know, over their 
you know, the course of doing that for a couple of weeks, I collected, you know, almost 20 basketball rims. And so. And then you took them over. What's the carry on fee for that? Just, you know, like 20 uh, metal rims. <laughs> Usually it would be a lot. When you do international travel, they let you have, uh, you know, a few more pieces of, uh, you know, luggage and that sort of thing. So I didn't, okay, I didn't, I didn't have much room for much else. I'll say that. Very good. So you're up there putting up rims, and 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 uh, and the and this cause is moving forward here uh, this year. And so uh, congratulations, and what a great cause. Uh, hey, I'll tell you what, man, it'd be a shame. It's a shame how much uh, how many kids in Africa are not playing basketball. I mean, let's be honest here. It could be the and best players you, in the world. But Brian, the work Brian's doing is incredible. Having been to Africa myself, having been involved with basketball in Africa, kind of tangentially, um, that's what they need there. And they just don't have, you know, for us, it doesn't seem like a lot of money, but they just do not have the resources to just put public courts, you know, in and around these countries. And yet there is interest in basketball. I guarantee you can go to every corner of Africa and ask them if they know who Michael Jordan is, ask them if they know who Kobe Bryant is, and they do know who they are. But they just don't have the resources uh, to just play the sport. And we always think of basketball as an inexpensive sport to play. To me, the reason basketball is the greatest sport in the world, it's the only sport you can play by yourself. That's a good point. And yet... It, yeah, these nominal costs it, for them are too high, and it's an obstacle to progress there in terms of basketball. Well, mostly the costs are associated with putting up the actual court itself. You know, the kids I was teaching were playing in bare feet, yes, and, you know, they do need shoes and everything. But um, the cost of the court itself is the major thing, um, and that's what I'm trying to provide for them because most communities over there um, don't have $10,000 to go and pave in line and, build a you know fully sustainable court for their kids to begin playing so uh that's kind of the mission so you're building hoops you're out there you're developing this uh this uh this pioneering landscape of of international basketball and you got some eye on some recruits right you got, you kind of got to be thinking maybe sports agent here maybe we get some guys to trade for the nuggets how's that for a segue <laughs> It's a decent segue. <laughs> it was all right. We've already got Choo Choo Mandabom in the system. I think. Uh, I have no idea who that is, but God bless you. <laughs> He's from Nigeria. He's a kid we drafted in the second round a year ago. Uh, and uh, I think he's, is he playing in the D-League, Nate? I'm not sure where he is. I'm not quite sure where he is right now. I think he is in the D-League. He was on the Summer League team. He was out in Vegas playing, you know, and uh, great guy. Very smart as well. So let's hear about it, guys. Trade rumors. You guys have been uh, chomping at the bit all day. By the way, does anybody know, is it chomping at the bit or champing at the bit? I think it's chomping. It's chomping, chomping, chomping but it's spelled C-H-A-M-P. No, I think it's C-H-O-M-P. It's C-H-O. It's like literally chomping. I like, think so. Like chomping. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nate, like Nate, Nate's, your, Nate's your Nuggets insider. I can tell you who I'd like to trade, but I don't have any rumors. Nate, what do you got? <laughs> I, I don't have those kind of connections, unfortunately. Oh, nobody's nobody's whispered into my ear. <laughs> you know, the Nuggets, if, the Nuggets specifically, to their credit, you know, they're not one of these franchises that's got 15 assistant general managers who leaks rumors to the press. They run a very tight ship. It's basically Josh Kroenke, Masai Ujiri, and uh, Pete D'Alessandro, and that's it. And they really keep a tight ship, and you don't get anything out of those guys. That's why when the Afalo trade went down, we were all blindsided. When the Nene went tra- trade went down, we were blindsided. And I knew they weren't happy with Nene. I never, ever thought they were trading him. Uh, so they run a very tight ship over there. Yeah, we only saw like the rumors of Aflalo. I think they happened the day before or something, like a rumor leaked, and then the trade happened the next day or later the that day. The rumor didn't one come from two. Denver. Yeah. It did not come from Denver. I just have one thing. You brought up Nene, and, and this is just a little side note here. Was there some sort of video tribute on the Jumbotron there at was. the Pepsi Center for Nene? 
Can anybody explain this to me? There's a bunch of video of him sitting on the bench, <laughs> unable to play. Uh, hey, look, he gave us eight or nine years, and uh, you know when he played hard, he put up about half of Kenneth Farid's production in one half in a of, full game. Oh, video tribute. Well, why not? This he played. Weird. Eight this nine is years. weird. This is weird and, to me. And Nene's in the, Nene's in the conversation. If you want to talk about the best Nuggets power forwards of all time, Nene probably rounds out the top oh, four or five. Sad, it's a short sad. list. <laughs> well, so think sad. of how things could have been a little. Different. Different if they had a, a competent seven footer to battle the Lakers in the conference finals versus having Nene at the five and Kmart at the four. I always thought yeah. we got a little cheated. Actually, I thought you know that team when they had uh, you know Iverson and Mello and Camby and Nene, uh, you know I really thought we had a, a true front line and Camby and Nene were just never healthy at the same time. It just didn't happen. That is a championship lineup. I mean. Potentially, yes. I mean, if you had uh, had them all like three years prior, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> and if the name wasn't there, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have a I have a personal vendetta against the name. I mean, Sounds not personal. Like, yeah. Why? Why is that? I, it just he never he never struck me as a hard player. He never struck me as a guy who cared. He, he was always hurt. He was always there was always something wrong with him, and he never he never lived up to all this potential. And and any time a guy changes his name halfway through his career, I'm like, okay. I'm out. Here, here's, I'm here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal with Nene. And, and a few other players, including his own teammate, Emeka Okafor in Washington, fall into this camp. There are guys who are born to play basketball, and there are guys who are born seven feet tall, and therefore basketball is their job. Mm-hmm. And Nene and Okafor, they, unfortunately, they fall in that latter category. You know, say what you want about Carmelo, J.R. Smith. You can't get those guys out of the gym. They want to play. They want to shoot. They want to work on their game. Nene, he's like, it's like the guy in the office who works 9 to 5, and at 4.59, he's packing up his stuff, and he's out the door. That's Nene. And it just happens to be his job. He did and thus him. a video tribute. Yes. Yeah. A video tribute. This, this blows my mind. But anyway, <laughs> back to the trades. Back to the trades here. I know, I know you got them, Timmons. Well, there's been rumors, there's, speculations. There's been some small kind of rumors coming out. Like there's been, you know, Chris Thomason has been in town. Uh, he writes for Fox Sports out of uh, Miami, basically covers the heat. But he's been in Denver, and, you know, he's in Denver, and all of a sudden it pops up that Timothy Mozgov might be on the trade block for the Nuggets. For sure, for um, sure. And that's, you know, he's on the last year of his deal. He's If you look at him, he's third in the pecking order there. And then a rumor popped up the other day, I believe it was uh, – God, I think Sam Amico had it, the Cleveland Cavaliers writer. I think he works from Fox Sports Cleveland. He had a little thing saying that you know Paul Millsap may be on the block from the Jazz and that one of the leading teams to maybe be trying to acquire him might be the Nuggets. So there's some stuff that's starting to kind of you know float around. But then if you look at the fans, like we're just saying today, we had a post up today talking about the Memphis trade and uh, this guy Big Dorf on our block. Uh, or on our on our website brought up a, a trade involving he's like I'd like to see the Nuggets move Ty Lawson and JaVale McGee for Rajon Rondo to Boston and I was like well, that would be pretty interesting so that got me thinking like JaVale McGee comes off the bench anyway how how vital is he to what this team is trying to do probably not very much right now but he could be you know, two years from now, I think Andrew said it before on, uh, I believe you said it when you were on with Sandy Clough. He said, Nuggets aren't winning a title with Costa Kufis, but they might be able to with JaVale McGee. You know, so he's, he's somebody that you look at and you look at Ty Lawson, of course, because he has kind of been a little disappointed and he may be a guy that's reached his, you know, his potential as an NBA player. But isn't the problem always the fact that, you know, from a, a fan standpoint that these trade these, these ideas for a trade always come from like, you want to get rid of the guys like Ty Lawson. Who are not living up to expectations and, and, and package him with another guy who's not living up 
to expectations. And, and but the bottom line is like the guys that we have that are true trade value are the guys that are playing well right now. The guys that you want to keep around. Isn't that always the problem? Is that you know trading uh, high, you know buying low, that type of stuff? I, I Ross has a you have a very good point. Um, you know, you hope that a guy in your system maybe works a little differently. Also, in the NBA, a lot of times finances come into play. You trade guys for different reasons. I think the Nuggets realized soon into Nene's deal that they had an albatross on their hands, that they had another Kenyon Martin, poisonous, oh, my God, I can never trade this guy contract on our hands, and they had to get rid of him as soon as possible. So that was an example where the Nuggets were motivated by financial decisions. That's the same thing that the Grizzlies might do with Zach Randolph. Right. They see you know, one or two right. years down the line he may be an albatross contract. But, but they got JaVale McGee, who was just – they basically traded for upside. They just traded for pure upside. How they built Washington and agreeing to this is beyond me. That's where the poker playing of trades come into play. But I understand your point. Ty Lawson's underperforming. And I guess the, what makes him valuable, though, you know, I, I've been saying for a while, and I'm going to write about this at Denver Stiffs in my Monday column, I think they should look for a Brandon Jennings trade. And the reason is because Milwaukee is going to lose Brandon Jennings. He's not going to resign. Whereas if you get Lawson, he ain't going anywhere. He's got a four-year deal. So Milwaukee might want the security of a starting point guard for four years, and the Nuggets might say, you know what, enough with Lawson. This isn't working. We'll gamble on Brandon Jennings for a season and hope we can convince him to stay here. You know, so there is there, that, that's why that trade could possibly go down. Give him JaVale, too. Give me Larry Sanders. <laughs> my only thing with JaVale is this. You know, I'm tired. I wrote about this in my column two weeks ago. I'm tired of people saying, oh, the, Ty Lawson's young. Give him time. Point guards figure it out really fast, okay? Damian Lillard's figured it out, okay? Kyrie Irving's 20 years old. He's figured it out. Ty Lawson's 25. He's been around for five years. He ain't figuring it out. And I think whereas JaVale McGee, big men, you do get a little bit of a pass. Look at Andrew Bynum, who's a little bit of a head case, but they do develop later. And uh, I think JaVale McGee's upside's way bigger than Ty Lawson's. Very good. Could you see the Nuggets? I I think it'd be very... It would catch me by surprise if they traded anybody other than Ty Lawson. I would be pretty surprised if they moved Andre. Well, I could see them maybe moving Iguodala if the right deal came across. But I think, you know, Danilo Gallinari, I don't see them trading him. No, Gallo's not going anywhere. I wouldn't be surprised if Iguodala got traded. I wouldn't. I mean, if you're a contending team and you're missing that piece, maybe Iguodala's the guy for you. I mean, no team really comes to mind right away, but... You know, I could see Iguodala having some value, but I think Nate hit the nail on the head. I think Timothy Mozgov is definitely on the trading block. I think he's the odd man out. We hear great things about him in practice. Nate goes to the practices. By all accounts, he's a great kid, and I think he's just the odd man out. But you made T-shirts, Nate. I did the Mozgov militia. <laughs> you made he T-shirts. Doesn't, he doesn't miss in practice, that's for sure. I mean, he, even, he even goes out to the three-point line and he's he'll a, knock down threes a practice all day. I've got, All-American. I've got the big trade here, okay? Oh, it's, here. it's already been leaked. This is not a Nuggets trade. Okay. This is what I call the inevitability trade. <laughs> Kevin Love will be a Laker someday. Okay, <laughs> Dwight Howard, I don't think, can handle being a Laker. And the Nets are desperate for Dwight Howard. So look for the three-team trade between the Nets, the Wolves, and the Lakers, where a broken Kevin Love goes to L.A., Dwight Howard goes to New Jersey, and New Jersey sends Brooke Lopez, or sorry, Brooklyn, and Brooklyn sends Brooke Lopez and whoever they need to send to make the salaries work to Minnesota. Sounds eerily familiar. I feel like this trade happened last year. Did it? That's enormous. That is an enormous. Get your trade. heads around that one. It is a big deal. That's yeah. I've I've heard some talk of that about you know because there is that rumor popping back up that Dwight wants to get back to Brooklyn again. So, and who knows? I mean, the Lakers may as well get rid of him. I mean, that's I, I trade Dwight Howard in a heartbeat for Kevin Love in a heartbeat. 
That's tough, just because uh, of the names involved. I mean, those all three of those themes think they have the big man of their future. And, you know, they're all top 10, 15 big men in the game, too. It's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of difficult to trade guys like that that are in their prime, especially when you don't have uh, that big of a sample size with Dwight in L.A. Andy, what is it you like about Brandon Jennings? Like, why would you want him? I'm going to tell you exactly what I like about him, and everyone here is going to cringe. And if George Carl's listening, he's going to double cringe. Well, I've never even heard of him, so I won't cringe. He's going to shoot. He's going to shoot. He's not afraid to shoot. Yeah. And if he goes 0 for 30 in the fourth quarter, he'll go 0 for 30. But he will shoot. He comes to play. And I think that Ty Lawson, I don't know if he's overthinking it. I don't know if he's getting tired. I don't know what it is. But Ty Lawson gets really hesitant. And as a result of that hesitancy, he has lots of unnecessary turnovers, a lot of careless play. I think Brandon Jennings is a guy that, you know, he just goes for it. The problem with Brandon Jennings is he's got Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf syndrome. Which he's basically Tourette's. Well, yeah, no, not <laughs> that one, and, and not the national anthem stuff either. <laughs> he's basically a shooting guard in a point guard's body, and that's the problem. So you'd have to pair him with a big point guard, and Andre Miller's not quite the right fit. You know, he almost needs to be with like a six four, six five point guard because he's a little guy, Brandon Jennings. But I just like the fact that he'll shoot like Can a Julian Stone, of- perhaps. Uh, by the way, who I met last night at the Cronky Sports Gala, what a nice, sharp kid. I'm serious. What a nice kid. I, I, I said I really appreciated his speech about Martin Luther King before the gang, game, and he said, yeah, I worked on it, and Jordan Hamilton kept ribbing me, so I kind of messed it up, and man, I knew I could have done better, and I said, Julian, you did just it's like, oh, golly, geez. No, he's a good kid. Is he not a good kid? He's, he's a, a great kid, kid. yeah. Let All me right ask kid. you this. Is some of Ty Lawson's failures as a player partially part of George Carl's failures as a coach? Because one of the things I've seen is that George Carl just will not and and has not been able to go out and, and and say and declare that I have a guy and this is my guy and this is the leader of the team and you talk about Ty Lawson you know what's wrong with him is he tired is he is, is he is he is he not you know does he not have enough grit to play this position and go out there and shoot like a Brandon Jennings or or, or is it just the fact that he's caught in this limbo between I don't know if I'm the leader of this team or if I'm just a you know a, a role player and what makes us think that if Brandon Jennings comes in here he's not going to have that same type of type of uh you know in, uh, hesitance about you know what type of role he's supposed to play and yeah like the system in Denver so far has looked like it's it's almost gone out of its way to limit you know it's fourth quarter you've seen Andre Iguodala take final shots you've seen Lawson do it you've seen Gallinari do it so by design they are trying to distribute that ball and they're not it seems like they might not be trying to anoint that guy so yeah if Brandon Jennings came in or a guy with that you know killer mentality would he essentially have his balls cut off, right? Would he not be able to do what he makes his bread and butter doing? Yeah, and you wonder. He would drive George Carl nuts, but George Carl has done very well with point guards who drove him nuts. One was named Sam Cassell, who got them within a hair, uh, you know, a breath of the NBA Finals in Milwaukee. You know he's an Payton. assistant coach with sure. Washington? Sure, sure, sure. He came over with yeah. Flip Saunders. Um, you know, Gary Payton drove George nuts, but he had a lot of success with Gary Payton. I, I think that, you know, Brandon Jennings is an alpha dog. And I don't think Ty Lawson's an alpha dog. I just don't. I know he's not vocal. And uh, and again, when it comes per your point, Russ, these options are bad and worse. You know, when you're looking to move these guys, I don't see a home run trade out there. And I right. think we have to. Uh, but I, I'm just not sold on Ty Lawson. I think he's an he's either an awesome backup or a marginal starter. What's well, right. the problem, right, with trades? Is it's nobody becomes available without a reason. And so now we got literally we got a month left, basically February twenty first before this trade deadline. It's January twenty second. 
It is right indeed, now. yeah. So that's a, a month, right? Um, you know, the rest of this this season and, and over the next month, you know, again, I've heard January is going to tell what this Nuggets story is for the season. Oh wait, no, 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 February is going to yeah. tell us. Oh wait, no, 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 this is you know we'll wait, wait till, till that next final, season. That eight game road trip in April <laughs> to end the season. You see how that does. Are we all coming to grips now with with what the reality of of this team now and and they're fun to watch. They're a group of good guys. But they're just they're they're not. I mean, they're not gonna they're not gonna make it past the first round. Right? Well, one one of the two of us, two of us at this table predicted the Nuggets would finish first in the West, and one of the two of us at this table said they'd be about a four to six seed in that range. And I'll let you guess which one is which, and I'll let the one who said they'd be first defend his prediction. Did I say first? What I don't know. That? You picked the what? Lions and the Broncos in the Super Bowl. I was close <laughs> on that with Detroit. They're pretty good, weren't they? Uh, yeah, I, I'm awful at predictions, but I think I think what we've seen with the Nuggets is I think you know, like Andrew said, they're a, a middle of the pack Western Conference playoff team, and I don't know if that's where you ever want to be, but I also don't think you know we've talked about the vision of Masai Ujiri for this team, right? And a lot of people have thought that he's going to keep these guys together and let them gel, but I've always kind of thought I don't, I don't think his vision's complete, and I still don't think it is. I think he's looking to make at least one more move, if not more. And in fairness to Nate, I thought the Lakers were going to win the whole thing. So, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Not even in the race. At least I got a dog in the fight still. I know it's embarrassing. <laughs> well, hey, what, what, how uh, how lucky are we to have a team that's still going to the playoffs every year? And even in this this year where there's no real superstars that we're still competing and right in there. So that's that's a pretty, you know, if we if we could be bummed out about uh, anything, it's definitely. Not that. Well, Brian, know. true fan perspective, where do you see this team? Where do, you, where do you want them? Where do you see them? You know, I mean, like I said, I like a lot of the guys, but they're all key pieces to a championship team, but kind of mashed together. It's kind of like how we were talking about Phoenix earlier. You know, they're kind of just a hodgepodge of guys who have a lot of skills and a lot of uh, talent and a lot of, hopefully, potential. But... Um, when do you give up on that? You know, personally, I hate seeing these young guys just sitting at the end of the bench, totally disengaged, um, you know, knowing that they have no time, no chance to sniff the court tonight. You know what I mean? And uh, so part of me says, you know, do blow it up a little bit and give it, you know, give your best, whether it's Evan or whether it's Julian or whether it's uh, Jordan uh, or Quincy or wh- whomever, you know, give, give somebody – a chance to prove that they can play in this league because otherwise you'll just see them go the way of Julius Hodge, who we discussed earlier, and, uh, you know, play out his rookie contract here, never see the court, and, uh, you know, carry on and go somewhere else. And uh, I think that's unfortunate because I think we got some players on the bench that could be big for our future, which we should probably start looking towards now. Considering <laughs> we're not, uh, it's, worse, it's worse than that. It's worse than that. I agree with Brian. You know, to George Carl's credit, he's a good enough coach that I think any combination of these players will make the playoffs. But to George Carl's discredit, I don't think what they do gets them far in the playoffs. So why don't we play the young guys? You know, everyone says we don't have shooters. We have two shooters, Evan Fournier and Jordan Hamilton, two. But they need to play or they're going to get rusty. And they could go the way of Julius Hodge or Nicholas Skidishvili if they get rusty. I think George Carl, there's a soft spot in his heart for rookies. And they always, you know, you always hear George Carl doesn't play rookies. He, he doesn't do that. And he'll play a, a less talented guy who's a veteran ahead of 
some of these rookies, you're right? And a lot of people feel like that's injustice. But to me, I feel like George Carl has a soft spot in his heart for these guys. And he knows that success in this league for the long term means that, you know what? I don't want to push you out there onto the court where everybody can see you have a few bad nights. And all of a sudden, your stock as uh, as tr- even trade bait drops, right? I mean, you, you know, I feel like you need to, especially as a rookie, especially for a guy like Quincy Miller, right? These guys need to be around in the league a few years as opposed to putting them out there like a, like a, you know, as a starter or something or a significant playing time. What if they, what if they don't play well? Well, you can then go either way. Sudden, yeah. Then all of a sudden, like their stock drops and no, then they're never seen from again. If you look at Chandler Parsons from Houston, he was given a starting gig with the Rockets and now he's considered to be, you know, one of the top young guys in the NBA. So it goes both ways, but you know, to speak to these guys' point, if they want to see younger guys play, who's the one guy standing in their way who's eating up a lot of minutes? It's Andre Miller. He's a guy that's completely overused in Denver. He's 36 years old. What's he doing on this team, and why does he have such a big role on a team that's trying to go with the youth movement? You can't have a youth movement with a 36-year-old playing a vital role on your team, playing crunch time fourth quarter minutes, and you know sometimes should even be leaned on to take the last shot. I mean, that's... It's it's almost. Well, if I can play a little little devil's advocate, and I'm with you, I, I think that he is overused. But but Andre Miller's amazing. He's good, amazing. And you have to hope that even if it's by osmosis, <laughs> these young kids are learning something from him. And what a privilege it is to play with a guy like that. And you, if you go all young guys, maybe that works, you know. But um, as long as George Carl's here, he's going to need an extension of himself, of himself on that court. And if it's not Anthony Carter, it's going to be Andre Miller. <laughs> well, Andre I mean, Miller is a very even-keeled guy. You know, I mean, he's he, he seems to not try hard, and he seems to have never tried hard. But he does have skills, and he doesn't. He's not fiery, right? I mean, but yeah. I see what you're saying there. And he likes to play a one-man zone on defense where he just kind of <laughs> goes into the paint lets his guy That's go. That's called around. old man basketball. Never ever close out. <laughs> old man ball. That's how I play basketball at the rec. I just kind of linger between three-point lines. Yeah. Listen, yeah. one thing I love about Andre, and I want to throw this out here, is the fact that he was a free agent this summer, and he could have gone a hell of a lot of places and gotten the same minutes he got here and had a chance to win a championship. But he did see something in Denver or – um, you know, with the players of the group or the coach that we have here that made him want to stay. And I'm grateful for that because he, I'm 64. sure he is teaching a lot to, to the younger guys. I, Ty might not be listening, but I hope somebody is. And, uh, you know, I, I really do respect a, a guy like that. Champs, Champ Bailey's a lot in the, you know, Champ was a free agent last summer too, and he could have gone and played for a lot of, uh, contending teams. Is there something you know, wrong with that on, on Andre's side though? I mean, why didn't he go play for Miami? I mean, he Amendment probably, 64. He probably could have signed with the Miami Heat. Amendment 64. You know why is he not three trying? Times. To, yeah, why is he? Why is he trying not? I don't to know why, away? and I hope it's just like the loyalty factor. And if it is, then I have the utmost of respect for those kind of players. You know that want. You know that have built into a system. Um, but, I mean, bought into a system. I apologize, and you know are really um, on board. And you know they're they're here. They're here. You know whether the boat capsizes or whether it sails to the Caymans. I also think it would have been probably Andre Miller's worst decision to go anywhere else because he knows that basically no matter what he does, he's going to get playing time here. George Carl loves him. He lets him, you know, kind of do what he wants on the court. And But I do I do see your point, too. I do like the fact that, yeah, maybe he did stick around here because he saw something in this team and wanted to be, you know, a veteran voice for these guys. So I, I, can, I can appreciate that. But. Well, very good. Andre Miller, old man winter, old man river. Old man sweaty balls. What is it? Old man sweaty balls? 
No, so YMCA we, ball, goodness. <laughs> YMCA balls? Well, that's not at all like old man sweaty balls. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of those there, though. I do Didn't mean that's to put words bad. in your mouth, Brian. My bad. Just don't put sweaty balls in there. <laughs> Very yeah. good. Guys, fantastic job. Uh, how are we doing here? I mean, we're, we're about to wrap this up, right? Yeah, let's wrap this up. Let's take, uh, let's take one moment just so I can express my disdain for the Colorado Rockies real quick. I, I, I got a, uh, I was on, uh, some, I was on the DenverPost.com, as, as previously mentioned, I think at some point, and I saw something along the lines of an advertisement that said, buy your tickets, buy your tickets to opening game. And, and by the way, I hate the fact that the Rockies are, are such a horrible franchise that they advertise their season based on the, the merits of having the Yankees and the Red Sox come to town when, when our team should be a good enough product to, to and warrant they charge more a lot for those of interest. Games, don't they? Yes, it's absurd. So they, they have these new things where it's like, buy opening day, buy the Yankees, buy the, buy the Cubs, buy the, buy the Red Sox tickets. So that annoyed me. But anyway, I clicked the button because I'm just going to go buy my opening day tickets. I can't figure it out. They're like, and it goes right to a page where it's like, buy your mini plan. It's like, I'm not buying a mini plan. I bought mini plans all my life. I'm not buying a mini plan. I just want opening game tickets, and I'm never going to go back again. Then I get in there, and I click the button, and then it's like, sign up for the chance to buy opening game day tickets yeah, opening day tickets off, huh? what the hell is okay. going on i you know there's 40 some 50,000 some seats there and and we're going to join this raffle this lottery to buy opening day tickets this is absurd and then as soon as i submit that information i get contacted by a season, uh, season ticket rep you know he's like oh that was a good time to talk about season tickets for the season it's like are you out of your mind all right. Out of your mind. Before you give those thieving assholes <laughs> one cent, let me tell you something. Because of baseball's revenue-sharing system, because of their local TV contract, local radio contract, and pre-sales of season tickets and sponsorship, the Rockies are profitable before they throw the first pitch. So Good for them. So, Which is fine. But they could literally be reaching into their pockets and pulling out a few more bucks and give us a good product on the field. They absolutely okay? could. Or on the diamond, I should they say. They absolutely so, could. Th- th- those guys aren't getting a nickel from me this year. Yeah. Not a nickel. Me either. I haven't paid for a baseball ticket. I don't know how long. I'm going to wait for somebody to buy them, and then I'm going to pay three times as much on Craigslist for those opening day tickets. How's go. that for sticking it to the man? you probably buy those from my stepdad. <laughs> he will be selling his on there. Very good. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Andy Feinstein, Brian Smith, Nate Timmons, and myself here at Jake's Fine Food and Spirits up here in the River North Arts District, a.k.a. Rhino. Guys, check it out. I had the Rhino Burger, which was amazing. There's a river, and there are arts, and there are burgers here. And I'm looking at some nachos. Those look really good. I'm going to have, like, maybe my second round. But uh, anyway, guys, last thoughts from any of you guys here. Nuggets, talk. Rocky's hate. Nate, may I make one shameless plug for Do our it. event? Do it. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, man. Uh, Tuesday, March 19th, we're going to be hooking up with a, another one of our favorite nonprofits, the Denver Hoopers, which provides after-school basketball for kids who can't afford it. In and America. On, and on a Tuesday night, <laughs> Tuesday night, two days before the tournament starts, two days before the NCAA tournament starts, two days after Selection Sunday, we're going to be handing out brackets here at Jake's. Every bracket you buy, every nickel of that goes to the Denver Hoopers. And we're going to have a really cool buffet here with a food special. We're going to watch the Nuggets take on the Thunder in Oklahoma City. So that's our next Steps Night Out. Save the date, March 19th. Do it. It's going to be great. 
Nuggets haven't won on March 19th since like 1984. Oh, is this your out. birthday? Yeah, it's the curse of March 19th, so hopefully we can break <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and it's Nate's off. birthday. So. <laughs> it's Nate's birthday. We'll have a, we'll have uh, a girl jumping out of a cake, too, so you gotta get over <laughs> there. There we nice. go. Nice. Fantastic. Well, surprise ruined on that one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Good deal. We're in the books. Thanks, everybody. Tim, right. close it out. We'll see you guys next week.